Well, last week, we kicked off a new sermon series in the book of Philippians, and as we discussed last Sunday, the book of Philippians is actually a letter from the Apostle Paul and his apprentice Timothy to this church in the ancient city of Philippi. Paul's letter is basically a correspondence of encouragement to that church in Philippi, and he's encouraging them, and through them, us, as we read it, uh, he's encouraging them in their partnership with him in the work of spreading the good news of Jesus to their community. Now, just, just like seconds ago, Michael Holland read Philippians 1, 12 through 18, and it is that passage that he read that reveals a lot about why the Philippians needed encouragement. As it turns out, Paul, who is the man who brought them the good news about Jesus in the first place, and he was the same guy who planted their church in Philippi, and the same guy who was their loving leader, he was imprisoned. And he was arrested for preaching about Jesus. Scholars are divided over whether or not Paul was writing from a prison in Rome or from a prison in Ephesus, and then there's a bunch of other minor theories that don't really pan out very well. But either way, whether he was in Rome or Ephesus, he was in a prison that was run by the Roman Empire. Now, the Romans were largely polytheistic, right? That, which means that they worshipped lots of different gods and goddesses. And they thought that the followers of Jesus, like Paul, were atheists, which I know today sounds really funny that Christians would be atheists, but just hear me out for a minute. Jews in the first century in the Roman Empire had a special dispensation. The Romans found out that messing with Jews was a bad idea because they were super passionate. They had one God, and that was weird to the Romans, and they said, okay, fine, we're going to stop trying to make you polytheists, and we're just going to say, you pay your taxes and be good underlings, and you could just do whatever you want. But Christians were not yet a recognized sect of Judaism by the Roman Empire, and they were weird, and so the Romans were like, no, you are bad for the polis. You are bad for the city. You are bad for us because we want you to worship all these gods and goddesses, and if you're not doing that, you must be atheists. And furthermore, we want you to worship the cult of the emperor. And the Christians were like, no, we don't, we don't do that. We, we worship Jesus. And so they were, to the Romans, atheists and disturbers of the peace and people that were not to be trusted. Now, from the outside looking in, it appeared as though the gospel was being suppressed, that Paul's ministry was being shut down, and the Philippian church was discouraged. But what actually happened was quite different from what appearances look like. By the power and grace of God, Paul was able to share the gospel to people he would have never possibly met if he hadn't been in prison, including these people called the Praetorian Guard, who are these elite Roman uh, guards of governors and, and, and the capital and things like that. And so they had all kinds of influence. They had access to the people in the inner workings of the Roman government uh, and magistrates and things like that. And so they're hearing the gospel. Some of them are coming to know the Lord, and they're sharing these stories in the upper crust of the Roman Empire, people that Paul wouldn't normally be talking with. And the key is that Paul's life was deemed successful by him because it wasn't based on a human definition of success. Paul's life was centered around Jesus and sharing the news about Jesus around the world. 
He wasn't motivated. Check this out. Here's a, a preacher who's not motivated by winning arguments that people weren't trying to have with him, right? Like people that weren't interested in what he was saying, he wasn't trying to win arguments with them. That, that, that seems like a really good tactic we should relearn. Um, he wasn't driven to prove himself or to, to prove that Jesus is right to people who didn't care if he was right or wrong. Paul, what he is motivated by is he's motivated for people to know Jesus and him crucified and resurrected and ascended. He wants people to know Jesus, the one who seeks and saves the lost, who cares about people. Paul is centrally focused. This is what he makes his life about. He's centrally focused on making Jesus known. And because of that, his circumstances may not have been what he had planned, but they were an opportunity to do what he cared about. He had a captive audience. Paul is further encouraged by his partnership with the Philippians in the work of the gospel. They're feeling bad for Paul. Maybe they were discouraged at his suffering and the apparent stalling of his work. And in fact, they were discouraged because it was their shared work. So how should they view his imprisonment? How should they view what they saw as a silencing of the gospel? Was it a failure on God's part? Was it a failure on their part or on Paul's part? What should they have been feeling? Shame, maybe, that the empire seemed stronger than the gospel? Anger at the system? Despair? Because up until that point, no one had seemed able to stop the Roman Empire. It seemed like an inevitability that would just be there, like air and water. But Paul paints a very different picture. And what looks like failure is actually turning out for the good of the gospel, for the fame and renown of Jesus' name. And the Philippians were a part of it. Far from feeling shame and defeated, Paul encourages the Philippians to rejoice. To rejoice in what God has done. To rejoice that they, through their prayers and their financial support and sending Epaphroditus, their friend, to come and encourage Paul, that through their partnership in the gospel, the Philippians can rejoice that they're a part of what God is doing in unexpected ways. They are part of God's work, turning what people meant for evil and redeeming it, redeeming it so, that, so that people would know the Lord in a new way. You don't even have to think very deeply to know that life, your life and mine, is full of unexpected twists and turns. That's a euphemism for a bunch of crap happening that we didn't plan on. And I know that many of you, just like me, have found great hardships, have gone through those things, and we found that God is faithful. And I know that others of you right now are going through a prison experience of your own. And maybe you're still in the darkness and confusion of it, and I am not here to tell you oh, it's okay, it's going to work out. I'm not here to do that. And I don't think God does either. He is with us in the darkness. He's with us when we are confused. And that's part of the good news, that we don't have a God that says, oh, just put a smile on and fake it. I've asked Katie Ackerson to share a little bit about her story and the song that she chose for this service this evening. So I'm going to invite Katie forward now. 
was Chris's shortest sermon ever. <laughs> that means I have a half hour left. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so when, um, when we were asked to share a song that had touched us in a particular time in our life, um, this, the time in my life that I was touched by the song I requested, The House of God Forever, was not one of those times that was like an unexpected hardship. Um, so f I was lucky in my life that I didn't start losing my grandparents until I was older. Um, I lost my first grandpa when I was 19, and he was 88 years old, so it wasn't totally unexpected to lose grandparents when they're elderly. Um, and then I kept all the rest of my other three grandparents until I was almost 30, and I loved all of them, and I was close to all of them. Um, and the time that the song I requested um, entered my life was a week after my grandpa had passed, and he was like the invincible one in our family, so I was having a particularly hard time just kind of grappling with that he was gone. And he was like also 88 when he passed, so like not, not totally unexpected. Um, and I was here at church, and it was about a week after he'd passed, and I think it was maybe Christine that was singing, I couldn't quite remember, but the House of God Forever. Um, and I had been trying to meditate on Psalm 23 in my grief. Um, but it was dry and it was rote and like, I'm not really a poetry person so it kind of felt like I was just trying to read poetry that I wasn't understanding. And I knew that I should find comfort. I knew that that particular psalm should bring me comfort and grief and it wasn't. And the, the song, the music of the song and the repetition of different phrases, um, you know, it's, the song is like scriptural, it's, abs it's the scripture. <laughs> it's, not, it's not something new that someone has added. Um, it's God's words but but just the different way of hearing it really um, brought a lot of emotion, and I felt that God was very present in that moment, and that, you know, I was a mess and puddle of sobbing, but um, I, f I think, like, I felt God breathing for me, you know, like, like I needed to be able to enter into that scripture and just rest with it in a new way, and that's what that song um, did for me in that moment. And then, um, I don't know how many years later, my my last grandparent passed when Elsa was like 11, not that long ago, and she was 100. So <laughs> again, not unexpected. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, the last grandparent that passes, it's a chapter in your family's story that's closing. Um, so Elsa and I brought that song to her when she was on her deathbed. She wasn't responsive. My dad was in the room with us, and he's not a Christian. And we sang that song over my grandma, and it was just so peaceful and right um, and, and calming. And, and again, it's the scripture. It's just the words of God telling us who God is in a way that um, I was able to like, experience instead of having it feel dry. And, and I know that my dad, who's not a Christian, was touched by it too. Like it's not, scripture pervades um, what people think because it's truth. And so that was a really special experience too. Um, so thank you for letting me share and I hope you enjoy the song and thanks Nathaniel for learning it. It's awesome that you would do that for me.